Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, and along with my co-host and partner, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for companies doing good. How are you, Jack? Good. I barely got here. Had a little bit of weirdness, but I'm here. How are you? Well, me I am awesome also. And we have a returning guest joining us. She was with us for part of the show last week. Andrea Adams Miller. And I am Hi, everybody. super jazzed that she's here. Hello, Andrea. How are you? I'm absolutely wonderful and, and I don't have any weirdness, but weirdness sounds fun, so I'll 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 manifest some. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make it back home yesterday? I I made it home this morning at 5 a.m. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so I'm going to let you do the honors of telling you. never really know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you do the honors of telling everybody a little bit about who you are and what your background is like. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, that's like a bragger. But um, I'm an international publicist, so I would not be serving uh, my audience if I didn't tell your audience um, what it is that we do. And part of that is we usually brag about other people so they don't have to brag about themselves. But since you uh, delivered me the honors, well, I guess I'll have to do a little bit of tooting on my own. So uh, I am Andrea Adams-Miller, <laughs> and I'm the CEO of the Red Carpet Connection. And we are a publishing, publicity, and talent agency. And what's really awesome is we're really more like a one-stop shop for entrepreneurs and CEOs who need somebody to step in and, and handle and implement and problem-solve multiple things in their business, whether it's uh, creating a new avenue for more products for clients to invest in, whether it's doing some business planning for growth, whether it's doing some research to figure out where we can tie in new publicity or get on some stages for clients, uh, to whether it's um, writing another book or a program or uh, finding sponsorship acquisition where we have people actually pay you to be in front of your audience or to support your book or program. And it's a really great business. Uh, RED stands for Relevance 
enthusiasm and delivery. So it's the red carpet connection. And we spend a lot of our time connecting with people all over the world to figure out how we can uh, really put the spotlight on their message or them or their product or service. So uh, that's kind of me. I, I, I guess I should say that um, oh, I, I've spoke on international stages myself. I've been on stage with um, Les Brown, Jack Canfield, uh, Gene Simmons, um, actually, I la- somebody told me last night that maybe I shouldn't tell people I was on Gene Simmons' Family Jewels because uh, they said that could be taken inappropriately. <laughs> 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 and I said, well, I was at a business party when I met him, although what he said to me was definitely not business. <laughs> I got a very nice compliment from him, but it was kind of creepy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, thought, of course, uh, that's his his mo you're supposed to get yeah. creepy comments from him a little bit a little bit and all i could think of is the whole time is please don't kiss me please don't go to kiss me because that this idea of that just totally grossed me out but he's a really great man <laughs> and i would love to sit down and have a business conversation with him because he's freaking brilliant did you guys know that he owns all the trademarks to everything to do with kiss <laughs> everything oh yeah it's his oh, i mean talk about a smart man i just love it <laughs> Oh, so That's I don't know be what else worth I a tell you <laughs> I suppose we can just let see what happens, and then I'll tell people more about me as it shows up. How about that? Take it away, Jack. All right. Where did we leave off last week? We said we had lots to cover again this week. Uh, or it, when you came back, I didn't know if we knew last week you were coming back this week. But <laughs> well, Gina just uh, likes me so much; she wanted sense. me to come back. I suppose we should kind of recap for people who didn't uh, didn't get to hear the program. And one of the reasons I wanted you to come back was so that we could let our audience know that effective with this week, Andrea is actually coming on board working with Jack and I as the executive producer of Leverage Masters. So this is like the beginning of what I think is going to be a fun-filled, long-term, very great relationship. Thank you so much for joining the team, Andrea. Well, I'm so excited that you have high expectations. (laughs) I do. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really (laughs) excited about it as well. We're going to have so much fun and do so many things together. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. And one of the really cool things, too, that I definitely can bring to the show is that I'm always on the road. I'm always traveling. And, in fact, as you're hearing, maybe in the background, you're hearing car doors dinging and people getting out of vehicles because I am uh, already was with a client this morning for um, some appointments they had with a third party and did some consulting and now they are stopping at a secondary location and uh, and so it's funny so I'm actually escorting one of my clients today and and they had other things they had to do while I'm with them on the phone (laughs) so sometimes I have to be on a radio show when I'm doing something else so it's a lot of fun So at some point during the show, if we hear pick up on aisle six, we'll know you guys are stopping to get snacks or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that that would that would be so. Uh, yeah, it was actually very funny because well, I think I also said uh, on the other show, and people on this one may not know unless they hear the um, show with us, with me and Jason Myers and you both, um, when we were talking about guerrilla marketing. But I also own a relationship business. And so because I own a relationship, and it's quite funny for people, they're like, okay, how do you go from being an international publicist to being uh, dating and relationship, 
you know, guru or whatever. And, and it's actually the other way around. I went from being a relationship guru into the publicity world, and that's because I did really well for myself with my relationship business, which was initially called the sexuality tutor. And that always what created controversy and raised eyebrows. And it was actually really funny because my joke always has been is that I think my grandma thinks I'm a prostitute. You know, that was, that was always a joke. And I'm like, Grandma, I don't have sex with people. I talk about sex with people. And for grandmas, that's the same thing almost. <laughs> for grandmas, that is almost the same thing. And, uh, and my grandmother is still living. She's in her 90s and my grandfather as well. So I'm one of those fortunate people who have my my parents or parents and grandparents. But um, uh, after a while, I changed my name because I was doing more than just interpersonal work for sexuality and relationships and dating and marriage, but actually then was asked by some of my clients to come and help do things as far as giving talks and um, consulting regarding relationships at a business level, and so they asked me to change my name for procurement because it was difficult to write a check to the sexuality tutor from, you know, a Fortune 500 company. So, <laughs> so I do business as igniteyourrelationships.com. Uh, so <clears throat> that is, I still do both businesses and still have both names, and it's always worked out really well because um, it's all about relationships. It always ends up coming right back to the same thing. Um, relationships and how people connect and how the world works. And uh, it was just so funny yesterday, Gina and I had the opportunity to talk, and it just was amazing how just one talk after another, another idea after another, just spiderwebbed into this ridiculous amount of relationships and how we knew people that knew people that knew people. And that is the unbelievable excitement about how the world works as far as like how social capital works on social media and social proof and, you know, and how people buy into your business and what they think about you and, and how your show, the leverages has done so well as, you know, one person hears something, who tells someone, who tells someone, the word of mouth and that viral opportunity is what's so exciting that gets people listening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always talk to people like you about how, uh, they shouldn't separate themselves out from people like you and Gina. You and Gina are like what I call, I call you guys all kinds of things, but lightning rods, uh, watering, watering holes, uh, all kinds of things that, that convey some sense of that if you want to know somebody, go ask one of you. Go ask you because you're connected to everybody. And, uh, and if you're not, you're connected to somebody who is. And to the person that you want to get with. And, and a lot of people go, oh, okay, so I've heard people call that a leveragist. I've heard people call that, you know, um, a connector, a networker, a hub. And, um, and then they separate themselves from that, but everybody's really that and, and, or has the potential to be, right? And the, the cool thing about that, I think, is the leverage that you guys have discovered in, in this uh, world that you've created of connectivity um, is that everybody wants that. If you go to the, the root of what people need, that is connections in business. You need connections and relationships, and you need to know people uh, from technical stuff, from marketing stuff, from uh, joint venture perspectives, from publicity perspectives. You, you need to build, to be a successful business, a network. And you shouldn't just rely 
on the fact that, you know, there are other people out there and you could just, you know, everybody should be building this on their own, right? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is when I met people throughout the world and especially when I first started going to, you know, networking meetings that had that title is I would belong to these groups and there would always be people like me who were these ridiculous people passing out the little pieces of paper with like, oh, here's a lead, here's a lead, here's a lead. And you know, I'm like giving out tens, you know, like a dozen leads each time. And then there's other people like I'd known them for like a year and they're like, yeah, I'm struggling. I can't come up with a lead. But it was then that I realized that it's not that they didn't have a lead. It's not that they didn't know anybody, but it's the mindset of how our minds work on what is a lead or not a lead. So uh, a lot of it, I've spent a lot of time teaching my clients on how to be better connectors and how to network because that return, uh, the recidivism of people wanting to come back to you when you've been able to give them a thought or an idea really does work. People want to reward you for um, helping them connect to someone else. And so it's that this like I have this Rolodex in my head, and I've seen Gina do it, and, and some other amazing people. That as soon as we think of a person or an item or something's brought to us, our mind is like flipping this Rolodex in our head to use the old model of a Rolodex that you know people under thirty may have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it's a big round thing with cards in it and uh, <laughs> names and addresses. And <laughs> things flips in my head, and at the bottom of the names and numbers is I have titles and I have where they live and I have what they do and like you know what kind of dog they have or little things little tidbits of information that I remember and store in my mind about people and then as I'm hearing information I'm thinking how who else do I know to the person that I'm talking to that could help serve them or connect with them or know something that they know about within that same field or related field or completely opposite field, which they could learn from each other. And it's when I am able to show people that, that they all of a sudden realize that they do know people. It's kind of like, so like my mom is this unbelievable um, makeup consultant and, uh, and she, she's an independent consultant with Mary Kay. She's uh, my makeup lady is her, her, um, her website and she's adorable. And, and she's done this for almost 30 years, maybe longer than 30 years now that she's been this professional makeup artist. And it's funny because I'll meet people and, and say something like, hey, do you know anybody that I could introduce my mom to, you know, to help them with their makeup? And they're like, yeah, I don't know anybody. And I'm thinking, okay, you probably know 300 women. Do, do they have faces? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you probably do, but they're not thinking about that. Like, who who has been? And I don't mean that they even have to be a woman with a face or a man who wants better skin, but maybe it's someone who said, "Oh, I have something coming up, and I don't know how to do my makeup," or they've heard someone complain about, "Oh, I don't like the way I look, or my skin feels so yucky." They've heard a friend or a wife or somebody or a daughter say that. That is now a lead for my mom. It's someone who's made some kind of comment somewhere along the line of wanting something better or having a complaint or a problem with their skin. And that's a potential lead because my mom can really help them to do better and to feel better and to look better and, and have all this confidence, um, you know, and help their image. So it's, it's a matter of helping them. It's not selling them anything. And I guess that's what's difficult for people. Sometimes they think a lead means I'm going to call and sell them something. And, and potentially that could happen. 
Um, but hopefully the people I connect to are not those kind of people. They would, like my mom would call and say, hey, I heard your daughter has, you know, homecoming coming up and she's worried about her skin. Maybe I can help her. You know, that's, she's not, she just wants to be of service. And, and that's how I perceive things. That I'm always doing everything I do because I totally believe that those people's lives will be better. And, and maybe some of the people perceive it as selling, but it's, to me, it's not about the money. It's about the creating an opportunity to give to them something that I think they potentially could use to make their lives better. What are your thoughts, Jack and Gina? I just think that uh, it's, it's really weird. The most self-aware people in the world in terms of whether or not they're selling are marketers and business people. And I never hear anybody talk so much about it as we do. And we're very sensitive to it. And I wonder what happened. I, it, when you talked earlier about the, the networking events, it, it's a great example of how people with really great intuition who have accomplished things and are great um, successes at business and things like that, First, somebody first went on a radio show or a podcast and told their secret of being a connector, of being a leveragist, of being somebody who really values and cultivates relationships. And and uh, that's, but they were really good at it in a different way. There weren't any networking events yet. There was no such thing as a networking event. It was just somebody who was really good at developing relationships like Zig Ziglar and people like that. There was no such thing as networking events back then, yet they were very, very good. When people asked them, how do you do it, they said networking. And then somebody else was like, well, how do we get this to the masses who have no training, no, no instinctive uh, abilities like a Zig Ziglar or a really great salesperson, but we've got to break this down so that they too can also network. Hey, let's create networking events. And immediately the whole thing gets watered down and in itself too self-aware. Hey, we're all under this roof right now and we're here to network. Hello, my name is Barbara <laughs> and here is my card. And everything just became completely washed out, completely not like the way Zig Ziglar or anybody else did it. And I think the same thing happened with sales. People were really good at influencing each other to do things, to try things, uh, and then somebody asked them how to do it. And they said, well, you got to do it like this, and you got to talk like this. And all of a sudden, you have car salesmen where there were none before, those <laughs> ugly situations that you find yourself in that are so transparent and so cliche and icky feeling. Well, that was that's just one generation or one little step away, I think, from – what was really good about sales, what was really good about influence and marketing and things. And then it was like, okay, here's how you amateurs do it. And somebody comes out with a school, how to sell cars and all this stuff. And then immediately one generation or one step away gets watered completely down. People who have talent for certain things, you know, you only, you only answered this because I asked you to, <laughs> but you probably don't walk around going, here are all of my talents. And you know, you lay that out because you were asked to, but it's just intrinsic to you. It's just instinctive to you. And as we talked about last week, that is very, very apparent throughout your entire life history that this has always come natural to you. And it's only in people asking you to analyze yourself and why that is that you even talk about it. Otherwise, you just go about your life and your business and your relationships the way that comes natural to you. And I think that we get so... It's really weird. As soon as we describe how to do something, somebody comes out with a piece of junky software or something that com that says this will replace instinct and hard work and intuition and uh, caring, actual caring. You don't have to care. Just push this button, and it will look like you care. 
<laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So and, how, and do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because in hearing you say that, there, I, I just was somewhere the other night. Uh, oh, I was at a um, an NLP um, copywriting uh, class because I'm a copywriter, so I'm always honing my skills. I, you know, you never can learn enough. And a really good friend of mine, Michael Stevenson, he's a brilliant um, NLP copywriter and and hypnotherapist and and trainer and does all these wonderful things. He himself was extremely shy. He talked about how he hated networking and he felt like you just you know go and show up and people exchange cards and they want to sell to you and you want to sell to them. And it was funny because when he said that, it reminded me I always tell people that if you go to a networking event where like people are putting a card in your hand before you even said hello I always feel I always related that to like a one-night stand I suppose nowadays it would be like a tinder or 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 maybe one of those like let's have sex sites I don't, I don't know all the names of them yeah. but I should know all of them because for sex talk live my radio show um I which uh I, I would you know I'll need to start getting um more up on these things so I know what they are. And and what what happens is, like, it's like they're, like, I, I always felt like, and I see it, too. I, I always kind of felt like it. It did feel kind of dirty. Like, somebody's like, here's my card. I want to sell you something. I'm going to I'm gonna wind and dine you tonight at this networking thing, and then I want you to, I'm gonna, I want you to invest in me and, you know, be with me. I felt like it was a one-night stand, and then there's no follow-up, you know. And I didn't like that, and, and I, that's the icky feeling is this one night stand kind of feeling instead of going to a networking meeting to say this is a place where other people are here just because they also have things that they'd love to share and to know about and to learn and not everybody goes there so a lot of people go to a networking thing to sell I go to a networking thing to meet other people because I love people and I want to know what they're doing and I want to see how I can bring them into my life or or come into theirs to see how we can, you know, make things better as a whole for the whole world. And whether it's friendship or business or or children or gardening, I don't garden. I don't know why I said that, but um, probably because I'm sitting in front of a store where there's gardening stuff, but (laughs) all of that stuff around (laughs) us for us to connect to people. And, and it's my purpose and reason for connecting is such a difference. Um, and and it is, I don't, I mean, I'm, it, you know, they say relationship marketing or relationship selling. I'm, I'm, I, okay, we're always selling something. If you're two years old and you're at, I have a two-year-old granddaughter, that girl knows how to sell it. She is so awesome at it. Like, if she wants <laughs> something and wants all of it, you know, she, she, you know, she does it all. She might pout a little, try to get her way, stomp her foot, whatever, cry, and then look small, look cute, look quiet, pretend she doesn't give a crap, you know. Like, oh, I'll use reverse psychology on grandma. And, you know, I'm called Glamour, by the way. My friend named me. She said I was too glamorous to be a grandma or a grandma, so I'm Glamour. <laughs> and um, so she's my Glamour girl. And, um, you know, but she knows how to sell it. She's selling. We're all, everybody's selling something all the time. We're selling ourselves. You know, we, we want to get what we want to get and have what we want to have. You know, that's just kind of like what we do naturally. But then it became such a monetary exchange of things that it was so hardcore. And and that's the icky boop part I don't like. That's just not me. Um that's not how I'm driven. I'm driven to care and to be of service. And and at the same time, I'm really thankful and appreciative that people want to reward me by compensating me handsomely for the work that I do. 
and and the people who don't, you know, I learned that quickly, hopefully, and and either don't give or I've had people who aren't like that. Who, who doesn't matter how much I give to them, it's not reciprocal. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> But I've also decided that, you know what, I love that person or like them so much, and I know they're not a give-backer, but I'm not doing this for them to be reciprocal to me. I'm doing this truly as a gift to them, and it makes me feel good to give to them. So regardless of the, if there's any – but, but it's also an evolving process. I had to learn to love people and my personal relationships and my professional relationships unconditionally. Because if we have so many yeah. conditions that we're only going to like these people based on their behaviors, well, we can't control that, and we're we're going to be disappointed. So you just love them anyway. <laughs> That's who they are. Well, and, and, accept and, them and, and yeah. enjoy them. Well, and the thing is, is uh, that's that watering down thing I kind of wrapped up in is they somebody say something about reciprocation, and they're like, well, I need a direct result from the person that I served. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I guess like if nobody's had any experience with it, or everybody's had experience with it, they just didn't. You don't have the reciprocation from the person that you reciprocated. It is somehow also a beneficiary of the service to that one person. You know, it's sort of like the universe will take care of you. You don't have to demand or place the or be. If somebody doesn't reciprocate directly to you, I found this out, and I know Gina knows this like crazy. She just does that unconditional thing, and stuff comes back to her that if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't realize that it was because of her overall service to humanity. And not everybody that she served or I have served have reciprocated with us directly, but I feel very, very well taken care of, very well reciprocated in some way <laughs> with everybody that I help. It doesn't, and, and if you don't get hung up on that anymore, if that's a hang-up for you now, if you don't get hung up on that anymore, holy cow, does that open up doors. It gets really it, fun it, then. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, for so long, by the way, I, I had the pleasure of, getting to share the stage with Tom Ziegler, um, Zig Ziegler's son. I never got to meet Zig himself. Um, but when you're around people like that, um, who were these business, wonderful businessmen and great leaders with great sound bites and messages and quotes and great skills, they have this natural intrinsic ability to give and be smart and monetize it. But it was never about the money. It was just um, a business keen sense of being able to accept it and ask for it at the same time. And then when people yeah. then were kind of like throwing darts to get the money more, you know, like I got to get the balloon with the money inside of it, you know, at the fair or something, then that's when it became so more um, difficult to do. And I know for me, it's evolved over time. There was always um, this different expectation where now we've allowed into our professional world, more mindfulness and more law of attraction and more, you know, when I said that I was going to manifest whatever, you know, oh, the weirdness, that's what I said. Um, you know, we're going to manifest things. Well, what's really interesting is the more I let go of the expectation that, like, all the things that I do for my clients, I do as a gift for them to help them to get where they want to go and showcase. But ultimately, they are the ones who do it. I just provide a pathway or some guided information, and, and I do 
I want my clients to be proud of themselves for what they've achieved and not think it was just because of a direct result of me. Now, there is a direct result that I might have opened up a door or a window, but they still had to show up on the radio show. They still had to write, you know, a, a book or a product or show up, you know, <laughs> they had to wake up in the morning, you know, there's things that they have yeah. to do in order to be there. And they need to be proud of that. And, and when they are proud of that, um, and then when you let go of those expectations, that's when everything started opening bigger and bigger for me. And and it's really been interesting because, you know, I, I'll be 49 in a couple days. And it's really interesting because I, I think of myself as much younger. And then when I think, well, I've had 30 years of professional business, uh, relationships, um, all the stuff in relationships, all the stuff I've done in health and public health and in marketing and PR and, um, and law enforcement. I have, you know, as we said on the last show that I had done so many different things and people would te- used to tease me that they say, Oh, you're, you know, um, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. And, and I now am very clear with people and, and just, spoke to a gentleman the other night he asked me you know what am I good at and I said well I'll be perfectly honest with you I'm a master of multiple trades when I master one then I immediately want to go and learn something else at the same time whenever I've mastered something I now know that I mean I always it's kind of a joke now the more that I know the more I realize I don't know anything and and that's because we can't learn enough about everything. It's constantly evolving and changing. I mean, look at even math. Like, math is changing and evolving. You don't even think that a number is a number. No, we're finding out new ways to use math and new ways to find algorithms and, you know, and now creating things like blockchain, which has all the scientific, you know, cool opportunities of using math and science to create new technologies for data and security and money. You know, everything still evolves based on what we thought we knew. And it's it's very exciting because you get to learn more while still honing that other skill that you've already mastered. And when I say mastered, it doesn't mean that you know more than everybody in the whole world. It means I know more about that subject than a lot of people and that I can serve a lot of people by passing on that information by giving them a summary instead of them having to go and learn the whole thing or read the whole article. I can share an abstract of the information, and now they can receive that in a different way. And that's why I love yeah. hanging around other people who do a lot. I, I know you, uh, Jack and Gina, how smart you guys are. You're constantly doing that. You guys are total information i was going to say information horse but that didn't sound as nice but i'll say it anyway because <laughs> i just did um, but you know what i mean you guys are absorbing information all the time and figuring out what else is out there yeah yeah well i mean it's it's how i've done everything online i mean people have uh bought books and courses and consulting and and everything from me because i quite simply was a guide i was a local so when we go on uh, river trips, we hire a guide. He knows where, depending on, he has a, such an intimate idea of the river, and he's, he's, he lives there. He's been down it a thousand times. He knows based on the flow that's coming out of the dam upstream which side of the river to go down to not die. Uh, also, to have the most exciting rapids experience without dying. And uh, and if it's too dry, he knows one part of the river he likes to go down will be completely dry, and he'll have to take another fork. Whereas we would just be stumbling around like, um, uh, you know, pioneers who have never been down the river and are just hoping for the best. 
there could be a huge waterfall coming up or a drop off or whatever, but all we are is our guides. That's what we are. We're guides. And people hire guides because they know the, the lay of the land, whatever you're hiring them to guide you through. They know where all the twists and turns are. They know where the dangers are and the safe places are and the exciting places are. And uh, depending on how well they know their knowledge, um, you know, their, their pay is commensurate with that. And the advantage and the outcome to the people hiring the guides is reflected in that service. But that's really how it is. I mean, we can get super complicated about it, but if you just think about going on a hiking trip in a place that you've never been, in the Andes or something, you're going to want a guide. It's very simply the same exact thing for business, for marketing, for publicity, mm -hmm. for everything else, right? Yeah, one of the greatest gifts I ever got is I, uh, I had the opportunity to actually share the stage with Anthony Hopkins and, and he's just remarkable. Uh, I mean, he's so talented wow. as an actor and uh, he's just remarkable. So um, when he spoke on stage, I had the opportunity to sit in the audience and, um, and then talk and you know, speak and hang out with him for a little bit afterwards and get some pictures and stuff with him. And he and I really connected because he had all black and white suit on and then red socks and a red watch. And I had on, I wear red every day. So um, he noticed me in red. In fact, it was funny. He, he goes, you're the uh, pretty girl in the second row in the red dress. Yes, the the second row, the pretty girl. And I'm like, yes, that's me. And he's like, yes, yes, the pretty girl. And I'm like, well, we've established I'm pretty. Thank you. Now that's getting creepy. <laughs> and it, wasn't, it actually wasn't later until weeks later. I had this huge desire to see the movie Magic from when I was a child that my aunt and uncles, who were only a couple of years older than me, tortured me by watching this really, really scary movie that I realized that Anthony Hopkins was the person in the movie. And no wonder him saying, talking like that creeped me out because it's that voice that was the first like scary scary movie I ever saw and I've been terrified of um those um of ventriloquist dolls ever since if if I were to have one which I wouldn't it would be like have a bag over its head and be tied to a chair um you know, just totally would not be okay with one because of him but he what I admired about him in that day when we were talking and stuff is um, we're talking about mentorship and so forth. And here's this man who's this acclaimed actor, multiple awards. And he shared that every movie, every movie, he has a movement coach, yeah. a dialect coach, um, you know, a, a voice coach, you know, a whatever coach. He, he says he has at least two or three coaches for every movie he does. But this man is a multiple award winner, and yet he's still honing his craft every day. That just to me was the most I was like, it was just gave me permission to do what I always thought was right, is to continue learning and, and bring more and bring more. And it's not just for me. I get so excited. So, like, for me, you know, taking this, um, brushing up my copywriting this weekend, I was so excited because I had the opportunity to write something for a client yesterday. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I took this, you know, copywriting class. Yes, it's for me. But at the end of the day, I'm writing beautiful copy for my clients that converts, that gets them more audiences, that opens people's eyes to the awareness of what they have. And it provides so much more opportunity for them to get in you know, to get more sponsorship or to get on another stage or to have somebody want to JV with them. And it's exciting. And the more that we learn and the more we connect in different areas as well as connect with different people, then we can excel in business. Well, I mean, 
it's doubly good for somebody like you because the more you know, you love to learn. You love, love, oh. love it. And you get you get paid to learn. You get paid to know things. You get paid to do the stuff you do anyway if you – I mean, isn't that what everybody's saying now? You know, go do the thing that you would do even if you weren't getting paid and you'll find a way to get paid or something. I don't know what – people are crazy. But anyway, you're actually getting to do that because I see you, you know, just nose deep in, in research and everything else regardless, and then and then people pay you for that. So you've got to be excited on two fronts every time you're learning something new. Because you know somebody's going to pay you for that later, and you're paying yourself right now for the learning of it, the, for the excitement that it gives you, and the thrill of of building up your knowledge base. And, and, yeah, and you know that's why I always think people who have businesses who are like, "This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what we sell." And then you suggest to them, you know, you have a lot more access just because you're a business to an awful lot of other things that will help you build that business, but also have a more well-rounded view of yourself and a more, you know, and and they're like, no, no, I just sell chairs. That's all I do. That's all I want to do. And I'm like, I think you're painting yourself a little bit too much into a corner here because becoming an information broker, wherever you are in the world, no matter what business you're in, it doesn't matter. If you, if you shut that door and that's just, you just don't see yourself that way, you don't cultivate that or anything else, I think people are doing themselves a huge disservice. Let's use that analogy. All right, so because uh, today I just I, I actually looked at some chairs today, and and so it was funny because I like the uh, old stiff upright chairs like with no armrest because I have unusually short arms, so my arms don't reach them anyways, so they're just in my way. And I have a sh- short leg, so I I need to be able to bend my leg and have my feet on the floor, and I want a short <laughs> short chair. So really, when I think about me and my body type and how I fit really well on the old-fashioned stiff chairs, and that's what I like compared to like a lazy boy where I just like get swallowed in because I'm, I'm a little bit heavier than you put me in this squishy chair and I'm gone. If I want me the chair salesman, I want to know how these chairs are built, what how long how long they're going to last. Is it just about looks or you know is quality is more important to me? Um, you know the. I, I want it to fit. I want it to work. I want it to work for the purposes I want it to. I, you know, I want it to fit my body for, you know, health and wellness, and you know, so I have a good posture. But at the same time, I would want so bad for that chairperson to be able to give knowledge to me about chairs and to meet other people in the industry because a chair also needs to fit like interior decoration. A chair also needs to fit with the way uh, with a family and a personality of who a family is and what they're doing and who else is going to be in their home. And people with chairs also need to connect with people with pets because some pets are going to affect chairs differently than other chairs. At the same time, they have this opportunity to maximize maximize their business of chairs, uh, the car that I'm sitting in, I think it's all, all of a sudden going to have this big scraping noise. There's a person going to park beside me, so this will be fun. Um, so we will hope that they have really good <laughs> positive space. All right, I think they made it. All right, so um, a person who has a chair that they're you know, advertising just chairs, if they also learned other information in the world um, and then just selling a chair, then all of a sudden they could JV with other other things. What if somebody who owned chairs all of a sudden learned about um, publishing and books and services and that when you um, got a new chair, 
a, let's say, a new reading chair, then all of a sudden you had an opportunity to JV into some kind of reading program where you'd get some kind of like book club and, and have books so that you could enjoy your chair. Or let's say it's more of a TV watching chair, then all of a sudden you have some kind of a connection to a service, you know, like a, a, some kind of television program uh, where you can download what it is that you want to watch or, you know, see different things that other people can't normally get access to. Um, then all of a sudden you have joint ventures. And people probably don't think about that because they're just selling the chair. Yeah. And that what I'm always struck by is you, you go into a place and people will tell you how – they won't tell you stories. They'll say, well, here's the value, and here's how it will hold up under this certain stress, and here's how it will look in your you know, uh, place. But I'm like, why doesn't somebody just come up to me and go, hey, you know how you walk into a place and you judge the chair that you're about to sit in for how long you're going to be comfortable in it? Like, I'm going to get to dessert and be freaking miserable in this chair. I can already tell because it's that kind of chair that I hate and la, la, la. And then, and then turn around and say, hey, this is, the kind of ch- this is the chair that people would be judging that way, only this one is comfortable well into, you know, after uh, dinner uh, conversation, <laughs> you know, and – it's just really weird that people have gotten so down to business with everything, which isn't really down to business at all, ironically, that they just it's just the facts, man. It's just the facts. Here, just this, 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 and it's ninety nine ninety five and you gotta do it now because tomorrow and they're all wrapped up in their marketing process. Like we, we made a special, so we gotta tell them about that special because it ends the next day and that gives a sense of urgency and then people will buy it faster and blah blah blah. And I'm like, right. Damn, we really, really have lost the art of storytelling. <laughs> In all facets of life, but business, you know, this being uh, leverages, um, <laughs> in business in particular, we've really lost that art of storytelling. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, I mean, I'll admit it, I tried to, I attempt uh, I attempt and tell myself I am open-minded, but there are times I'll be like, nope, I don't like that. And usually I'll catch myself, hear that coming out of my mouth and say, no, that's incorrect. Um, I I don't know whether I will like this today or not or how this is prepared or how this is or what it is. And I'll push myself to do more. But when people do tell a story, I'm more open to trying it. And you're right. If somebody were to look at a big lazy boy to me or something that I could, you know, squish in, and I, I immediately would say, I don't, in my mind, think, I don't like that. I don't want to recline and I don't want to be swallowed up by big pillows. But if somebody came up to me and told me this beautiful story using, you know, these copywriting skills of like, imagine, Andrea, imagine that you just come home from a really long trip and you just had a two-hour delay and a two-hour drive from the airport and a sleet in the snow and you're cold and you get home and you see your cat waiting there for you and your husband's chair and he's asleep but for just a few moments you just want to kick back and watch tv and the heater's on we have like a propane heater on our, our wall because we live in the country uh, we have a 50 acre farm and he's, so you, you take you lean back and you turn the heater on so that that nice warm heat just jets on your feet because your feet are always freezing because you always wear heels with no socks and you're you know cold and you're just toasty and you just lay into this chair and it just wraps its arms around you and hugs you as you swallow into that chair being held just like welcome home Andrea you know I might be tempted to sit in a damn chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I bet you would good right now and that's the thing it's, <laughs> right I mean you know and and I think some people got really smart and wise to to the whole idea as they developed their voice for for selling things, for marketing, for influencing people. They realized what an outside impact they had on not just a buying decision, 
but someone's life. Because at that moment, if you bought that story, if you really got into it, it didn't just change your idea about whether or not you'd want to buy that particular item. It also changed some programming that you've had all your life or for a considerable amount of it in terms of that style of product. You know, right. I mean, that's been right. a hang up of yours for a long time. So that person would never have gotten you to really, uh, no pun intended, sit down and take this seriously if they would <laughs> let you just browse or they had told right. you about a special. A special wouldn't give you any comfort whatsoever in terms of how you feel about that style of chair. You know, right. and, and with the lack of storytelling, they would you would have walked out of there with some other kind of chair. Uh, if any at all, and there would have been nothing that the salesperson could have done about it at that point. They can't grab you and say, hey, come here, i got to tell you a story now. Now I think you want to hear a story. It's too late, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, there's a lot of opportunities that we have in business to change um, not only our current circumstance in our current context uh, for ourselves and other people, but it can have profound effects on the rest of your business for years and years to come. If you kind of open up and go, hey, there's opportunity to do something here that nobody else seems to be doing, and that's getting back to the basics. Like right now, I would handwrite a letter to somebody just because everybody is living completely digitally right now. If I want to pattern interrupt somebody, I look at what everybody else is doing, and I do the exact opposite. I do what they're not doing, and then that's how I get people's attention. Otherwise, you're trying to get everybody to lift their heads up from screens, and everybody who has kids, teenagers, knows how hard that is and impossible that is to do at times. And uh, then you just don't do that. You just don't try to, you know, if you see everybody going in one giant direction, you don't join that crowd and hope like hell that you're going to get from all the way in the back all the way to the front. That's stupid. You know, mm -hmm. anybody going to concerts who's a professional concert goer knows that in general seating, they know how early they need to get there. They know how, because it's kind of a run for the best spot. And then they also mm -hmm. know how to make relationships with certain people, like at the door. I want to get in at this door, and I know the guy there. I know somebody who knows him. Maybe they can introduce me. So I'm going to be able to see the Foo Fighters tonight at the most optimum situation that I possibly can. While everybody else just appears to be going, here's my ticket, and I'm in general, oh, no, I'm in the back. And I can't even see the screen, let alone the people on the stage that look like little ants. That's how everybody right, else in the world does it. If you research and you talk to people and you ask questions and you're willing, I mean, to me, I used to always be the person in school, and I still do it if I go to an event, even if I already know the answer. In fact, it's funny sometimes. I will ask an ask a question at an event like it's a recap or maybe it's I'm I'm working event I'm not even attendee because a lot of times I'm there with clients or I'm you know doing photography or I'm emceeing or I'm one of the you know keynote speakers at that event or doing sponsorship for it and something will come up I will ask a question and sometimes people who know me will look at me and be like really you don't know that no, it doesn't have anything to do with me not knowing it. I heard that there was a loop that needed to be closed that was not a planned loop that that speaker or that presenter was planning on that needs to be closed because the audience doesn't know what that means, and so they can't attach anything to it because they need the definition of it or they need to understand what that story related to, and that makes it challenging for them. Like we're doing it today when we 
are referencing a past show, we're trying to give them a little snapshot of what that past show had in it in case they don't have the opportunity to go back. Of course, we'd love for them to go and listen to the other show as well. At the same time, we realize it's a busy world and they may not have to. So we give them a snapshot so they can connect the dots and still move forward knowing that we've closed that loop for them while creating open loops to find out they can find out even more and get more excited about, you know, what we do and working with us and other those other opportunities. And it's a really fun thing. Yeah, it is. And there's and it's funny, we, we, we're right on the nose with the, the show, the leverages, leverage masters, things like that. And then everybody's like, well, let's tune in. Let's talk about leverage. And then we talk about – we've been talking about leverage here without bringing that up, without just hitting it right on the nose. And everything about what we're talking about now is leverage because all of this knowledge that you're gaining – uh, that, that a lot of people who are more amateur at this would go, that's not important to me selling chairs, so I'm not going to pay any attention to it. And it's not, it's not that it is or isn't important. It's your ability to really actually truthfully and competently assess its value and whether or not it can help you. And that's what's really off with a lot of people is they just don't have any idea. And so when we were talking last week about guerrilla marketing, I wanted to get right into stories. I wanted to get right into like tell me tell me some ask Jason to give me some stories about uh, you know the different things that people do that are really big time pattern interrupters interrupters for us who are like in a bubble we're in a zone we're focused and we're just doing certain patterns of things every single day in our business and wondering how we can do things better and then you listen to mm-hmm. somebody like Jason it's like here's a million and one ideas uh, uh, that you're not doing that you could use to get attention, to get relationships going, to meet new people, joint ventures, all that kind of stuff. And I love that because yeah. it, it really opens people up. And I found myself mm-hmm. just after last week's show doing a couple of things that I'd sort of not – it was in my database, I, but I had forgotten where and, you know, you know that it was there, really. <laughs> and thinking, well, wow, we I all this need stuff. reminded. That's this. why I went to an NLP copywriting class. I'm already a copywriter. And I went to a copywriting right. class with people who've never written a copyright written thing in their lives. Why? Because I wanted to go back to a foundational class. Because when I go back to foundation, and then I have to sometimes shake myself up and go, go back to my foundation of what that I what I did that was so successful. Why was Sexuality Tutor and Ignite Your Relationships so successful and the radio show Sex Talk Live? Why were those successful? Because the way I connected to people. Because I called people to be on my show or I called people to get on stages because I didn't know what I mean to be perfectly honest, I didn't know that it was supposed to be hard. No one told me it was supposed to be when I when I got on twenty twenty I didn't get on 2020 um, based on any kind of fear or anything. I heard that they were considering doing a certain topic is what I heard through the grapevine. I went to the library, found a phone number, and kept calling phone numbers and asking for the right people until I got the right person and said, hey, I'm interested in participating or helping or giving advice for the show. Then they said, do you want to be on? Yes, of course. And the next thing I know, I'm on 2020. And it was so funny. Had I been told, like, it's actually funny now because I'll go to do things now and people will tell me it's hard. And for, for a few moments, I actually think it's going to be. And then I realized, no, that's not hard. 
that, that's not hard at all. Go back to my foundation of what did what did I do to become successful? I just asked questions and raised my hand and was willing to ask the stupid question that seemed stupid at the time in the room, but then I got answered, and because I asked, then I got noticed, and then I was paid attention to, and then people recognized me, and then the other participants recognized me, as did the speaker or the teacher. It's what worked my entire life, and that's how I became successful, is by willing to be vulnerable and ask, and that's what made me successful. And yeah, there's some people who thought I looked stupid or whatever, but chances are they didn't know the answer to the question either. <laughs> yeah. And if they did, you know, how sad that they weren't willing to make sure that somebody else knew that information. To me, there's enough of, for everybody. I have, I work with a lot of other PR agencies that we work and collaborate together and people are shocked. They're like, Oh my God, they're your competitor. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, technically, I mean, but not really. I can't serve everybody. <laughs> How many millions of people are right. there in the world? I do not want to serve everybody. I have a limited clientele of people that I love and like to work with in different industries so that I can cross-reference really awesome things. And I do multiple different skill sets for them because I'm in a solution, you know, problem solver. Um, I find that solution and I help them implement it and we get it done. And that's what's fun. And then I get to be flexible. I, I just had somebody the other day offer me a, 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 an opportunity to work with them. Huge. The guy works with businesses that have made, oh, multiple businesses that have made over $400 billion. Okay, ridiculous amounts of money. Or maybe it's just $400 million. Okay, but it's still a lot, okay? And, <laughs> and I, I don't know that I want that because, I mean, I said I'll look at the opportunity, but I'm, I said before I even look at it, I need to be flexible and I'm not moving. I want to, I, I'm a flexible business. I own my own business. I love what I'm doing. I don't mind coming on somebody else's team once in a while, but I love my clients and what I do and how I serve them. And, but I'm always open to the opportunity. I'm not going to say no ever to anything because you never know where life's going to take you. I never thought you know, 20 years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. And I love it. And what's really funny is now I'm back in the sexual health field, which I had stepped away from for actually quite a few years. I still did it, but in very minute amounts by word of mouth only. But um, here's, you know, they, a commercial station is asking me to come back on and do Sex Talk Live again internationally. And I was on the air for 13 years. And then now I had someone ask me to be a spokesperson. I'm, I'm the spokesperson for a site called the sensuous romantic and it's geared towards women, but it's actually for men and women because we know that there are uh, wives who want their husbands to be able to read and learn more information as well. And it's a safe place because they can go and they're not going to, the wives or whatever, or partners are going to feel intimidated by the information about sexuality and so forth. Cause it's more well-rounded and more general and talks about every aspect of life. And again, it's still all the same thing. It's based on relationships and marketing that connection. And that's what you guys do as leverages, as you talk about all those things. Actually, if we were to take the show that we just did and we were to break it down and say what the true learning points were within the stories that we just talked about that we didn't specifically say to do, we probably have about 30 or 40 different aspects of business, of, of things that we've related to and maybe some of them are on that fine line where they're almost the same so maybe there's only really 20 of them 
but they're there. And the themes probably are only like maybe three or four, but they're there. And it's up to us as listeners, anything that we hear is how do I take this information and spin it into my world, whether I'm a healer, a chair manufacturer, a dentist, or a pizza delivery guy, how do I take the information that Jack, Gina, and Andrea shared and, and filter that into my world to make my life different? Yeah. It is it is a weird thing. Just by explaining stuff, sometimes we uh, I think that's one of my big ones from today is just by explaining things. People can misconstrue that as a list of bullet points of to do list of things to get done, and uh, does, don't really understand that there's a synergy to all of these things. There's a context for all of these things. There's character and personality uh, that would be yours uh, exclusively. Uh, and how you deliver things in the world, and with just sheer excitement, like you. You're an extremely excited person all the time. You're just the most upbeat, happy person every time I talk to you, and I know that's how you come across with everybody, and nobody frowns when you come in the room. It's like, oh, there she is. I was just talking to this guy who's just talking in a complete monotone and doesn't even seem to be excited about his own stuff, and then she comes in and, wow, Andrea's here. (laughs) Woohoo! There's all of that to this. So a lot of people miss out on that. If you write all of the things that we just talked about this today in bullet points or in a to-do list, you're going to miss out on some really important stuff that goes along with it in terms of context and delivery and, and, and excitement and, and all of those things that are just kind of going to be missing in a list. That's true. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And at the same time, I want to acknowledge the people who maybe aren't loud and bright and energetic like me because they're also really important to the synergy of how things work in their own way. So, I mean, unless they're, you know, like if you're depressive and boring, okay, that if you come across as that, yeah, you're probably going to not attract a lot of people unless they're also miserable. But if you can be an introvert and you can be quiet and still be vibrant in your own capacity. You don't have to be like a Jack and like an Andrea, you know, to make your life work, but there's different things that you can incorporate to make yourself unique so that you still get the attention that you need and you deserve on your business and your aspects. It's it's part of really self-acceptance. I mean, a lot of it is is self-esteem. It's kind of funny how people, you know, respond to different things and they always say, God, Andrea, you just exude so much self-esteem. Well, not by all, I mean, I got my moments. I'll be the first one to cry over a lot of things. But at the same time, I really do have a lot of self-esteem. But it's, it was learned. I didn't. I, it's a learned, a learned behavior. You, you, you've got to. It's a part of embracing and accepting, and that's part of being in your business and embracing and accepting other people too. You start to accept yourself more. So it's, it's been a, a fun ride, and that's what I love. So that I can bring all of those different aspects to my clients, and and you know, love on them. I really love my clients, and that maybe that's what's different. I care about the people I work with. I want to see them. Sometimes I want to see them succeed more than they do, <laughs> and uh, it, which could be detrimental, you know, to 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 their success. Yeah. If because I can't pull them along, they have to be willing to do it themselves. And I can only be a cheerleader so far before I have to, you know, push them out and 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 get them to go and get them to do things. And so I'll prod. I'll be the first one to. Sometimes I remind myself of a football coach which is funny because I'm not necessarily a football person but uh, you know sometimes I'm a little mean but I got to push them you know (laughs) being nice and lovey isn't working I might need to 
push them and, and make them cry a little because sometimes we need that to prod us to go. I got to jump in and wrap us up. So you can all find Andrea oh. at theredcarpetconnection.com, theredcarpetconnection.com, and Andrea is looking for guests for our show. So if entrepreneurs are your audience, get in touch with Andrea at radioatdirectionsu.com. That's radioatdirections, plural, the letter U.com. This was awesome, guys. I'm so excited to have Andrea part of our team, Jack. Even more excited after today. Thank you. Absolutely. It's fun. Fun, fun, fun. Yay! And well, thank we will you. Thank back. you. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Uh-huh. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit CarShield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at CarShield.com audio. That's CarShield.com audio.